Hello and welcome to the Number 10 Podcast, where we talk about the biggest moments in Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer from the week before. I'm your host, Logan Aiden. Now that the MLS is officially back, we have some games to talk about. But before we get into the MLS's back tournament, we should talk about the NWSL Challenge Cup, who will be going into their final group stage matches on Sunday and Monday. Through the first three matches, five teams have ended up with four, te- four points, which means any of these teams can end up anywhere in the standings. Additionally, the North Carolina Courage have already clinched the number one seed, meaning that everyone will probably be battling for the second, third, sixth, and seventh seed spots so they can avoid having to go against North Carolina in the quarterfinals or the semifinals. As for these final group stage matches, here's what we have. The Washington Spirit, who have four points, taking on the Houston Dash, who also have four points. I think this is going to be one of the most interesting matches of the tournament thus far. In their last match, the Spirit drew Portland with a late goal from Sam Staub, who headed home a backheel from Ashley Sanchez. As for the Houston Dash, they've had a lot of exciting players on their team to look out for, such as Shea Groom, Christy Mewis, and Rachel Daly. In the late match on Sunday, we have the Chicago Red Stars versus the Utah Royals. The Chicago Red Stars only have one point so far in the tournament. This is going to be must-win for them if they want to get out of that bottom spot. And one of the questions it's going to be is where is Julie Ertz going to play? Are they going to put her in that center back position like she did against the Courage? Or will she be playing that defensive center mid spot? Additionally, the Chicago Red Stars have only scored one goal thus far in the tournament in their first match. And I, part of it is because of losing Sam Kerr in the offseason. And they need to be able to find a replacement for her. As for the Utah Royals, they have a total of four points so far in the tournament. And they have some really exciting players. They're going to need combinations from Amy Rodriguez with Veronica Boquette and have more exciting play from Cesira King if they want to be able to succeed in this match and get a good spot in the knockout round. As for the Monday matches, we have the OL Reign taking on the Portland Thorns. Like Chicago, this is must-win for Portland, who have two points. In their last match, they played against the Washington Spirit and took a lead after a header from Lindsey Horan, but gave up that late goal by Staub. As for the OL Reign, they're sitting on four points, and they got their first goal of the tournament in their last match from Bethany Belser. And in the final match of the group stage, we're going to see Sky Blue FC take on the North Carolina Courage. As I already said, the Courage have clinched the top seed thanks to the likes of Sam Mewis, Crystal Dunn, Lynn Williams, and Dabinia. They might just sit these players and let them rest for this round, as they've already had this top spot. As for Sky Blue, they got two on the board against the Houston Dash in their first first win and first goals of the tournament from Monaghan and Kawasumi. After these final group stage matches, all eight teams will be seeded and placed into a quarterfinals for the tournament starting on July 17th. As for MLS is back, they officially started play on Wednesday. Additionally, they announced that Nashville had to drop out of the tournament due to positive coronavirus tests. Because of this, the MLS decided to move the Chicago Fire from Group A to Group B, making six groups of four, where in every group, the top two teams will advance, plus the four wildcard spots. With this, we see a change in the schedule for the Chicago Fire and for Group A. This can be a challenge for Chicago, as they probably were not preparing to face any of these teams until later in the knockout rounds of the tournament. 
And for other teams like Inter Miami, who lost two to one to Orlando on Wednesday, will now have to face NYCFC, who when they originally weren't. Additionally, Sporting Kansas City announced that they had a positive test on their roster, but are still planning to play Minnesota United on Sunday. Before we get into going over the matches, I think it's important to talk about some of the protests that have been going on throughout the league. Before the first match against Orlando City and Inner Miami, the Black Players for Change, along with the rosters for Orlando and Inner Miami, had an 8 minutes and 46 seconds moment of silence in remembrance of George Floyd. In the Philadelphia Union's match against NYCFC, they had the names of black individuals who were killed by police on the back of their jerseys as opposed to having their, their own names. Finally, in Montreal's match against the New England Revolution, head coach Thierry Henry from Montreal knelt for the first 8 minutes and 45 seconds of the match in remembrance of George Floyd. Now we're going to talk about some of the games. The first match we saw was Orlando City versus Inner Miami. As we talked about, Orlando City came back late to defeat Inner Miami 2-1. One thing that became quite clear within the match is how stoppages are going to be able to improve play throughout. One way that we saw this is through the water breaks. 30 minutes into each half, the teams get a water break. During this water break, coaches have been using it as a ch chance to coach their team and adjust play. After the first half water break, Inner Miami adjusted their play and were able to come back early in the second half and score a goal by Agudelo. Another interesting fact factor we saw was COVID protocols within the match. Inner Miami's Reyes had to be stretchered off the field after Orlando's Dom Dwyer clotheslined him in the neck. Reyes went to the hospital but was eventually discharged. With Orlando being a hotspot for the coronavirus, it will be interesting to see how the league handles having players have to leave the bubble to go to seek medical care. In the 70th minute, Orlando City equalized when Chris Mueller slid to redirect the ball into the back of the net from across from Nani. The match seemed like it was going to end in a draw, but in stoppage time, the ball landed to Nani, who was able to finish the ball into the back of the net. This was supposed to be Inter Miami's easiest match of the group stage, so it would be make it so it's going to be challenging for them to exit the group even in that third place group spot. However, it only takes one goal and even one win in a, to earn that third place spot, so anything is still possible. And the next match of the tournament was the first 9am kickoff between New York City FC and the Philadelphia Union. It, was, it became evident later on in the match that the weather for these 9am matches will become a challenge, as the temperature rose to about 99 degrees by the end of the game. In the match, New York City outshot Philly 17-8 and had just under 60% of possession. But in the 63rd minute, Alejandro Bedoya was able to break through for the Philadelphia Union, putting them up 1-0. Philadelphia goalkeeper Andre Blake came up big late in the match, making saves to secure the shutout and the win for the Union. Group A continues play on July 14th when New York City plays Orlando at 8 and the Philadelphia Union plays Inter-Miami at 10:30. The next match we saw was between the Montreal Impact and the New, New England Re Revolution. Earlier in the season, the Revolution lost to Montreal 2-1, but were able to secure a 1-0 victory here. Throughout the match, the Revolution led with 19-7 shot, shots and maintained 44% of the possession. In the 56th minute, Gustavo Bowe received a pass from Carlos Heel 
then found a little bit of space at the top of the box and solidly hit the ball into the back of the net. The next match for Group C is supposed to take place on Sunday, with Toronto taking on DC United at 9 a.m. As for Montreal and New England, they each play again on Wednesday for Montreal versus Toronto at 8 p.m., and the New England Revolution play Thursday at 8 p.m. against DC United. The final match we've seen thus far was a Group B matchup between the San Jose Earthquakes and the Seattle Sounders. This match ended in a scoreless draw. The Florida Heat and lack of fitness due to lack of play was evidence in this match, as both teams had players cramping late in the match. For San Jose, this could be a result of head coach Mateus Almeida's man-marking system that causes the San Jose players have to, to have to constantly move to keep up with their marks. But in this match, San Jose had 62% of the possession, so the Sounders were constantly defending. The match ended with 16 shots for San Jose and 12 for Seattle. While San Jose had the better of the shots, shot counts, they kept taking low percentage shots, as most of them came from outside of the box. Seattle did have more dangerous opportunities, but missed them due to rustiness that hopefully later on in the tournament is not as big of a factor. The other two teams in, in Group B, the Chicago Fire and the Vancouver Whitecaps, start the tournament a little bit later. On July 14th, the Fire pl play Seattle, and on the 15th, the Whitecaps take on San Jose. Throughout the first four matches of the tournament, there has not been a first-half goal scored by any team. It'll be interesting to see when or if that happens later in the tournament, just because the players haven't had time to train with their teams that much yet. Over the weekend, we'll get the remaining groups and teams in action. That's all for now. Check back next time, and we'll continue to share what's most in, the most important moments from the MLS and MWSL. Thank you to listening to the Number 10 Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Agan. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. Until next time.